Is that better? Can you hear me now? Ah, excellent. Why don't you ask a person next to you the question, what's the best party you've ever had? Just while I get myself sorted. I'm going to use this. Now, uh, Tom, sorry I moved your music stand, I'll put it back. If I start singing in the middle of the service, you'll know I've gone off my notes. <laughs> Kia ora koutou. Ko mawau te maunga, ko te puna te awa, no tauranga ahau. My mountain is Mawau, or as you commonly know it, Mount Manganui. My river is Te Puna, and I come from Tauranga. He Pakeha Aho. I am a Pakeha. Ititaha Takumatua. Ko Austin Tokokorua. Ko Isabel Tokokuya. On my father's side, on my father's side, my grandfather is Austin, my grandmother is Isabel. Ititaha Takufaya. Ko Jack Tokokorua, Ko In Aina Tokokuya. On my mother's side, my grandfather is Jack, my grandmother is Aina. Ko Austin Tokumatua, no Kaitieki Ia. My dad is Austin from Kaitieki, which is in the back blocks of Tomaranui. Ko Anne Tokufaya, no Whanganui Ia. My mum is Anne, and she's from Whanganui. Ko Don, toko ingoa, no rera, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. My name is Don. Greetings, greetings, greetings to everyone. What does whānau mean to me? We often interpret the word whānau as family. And while that is correct, I, I experience a lot more uh, than just the, the immediate sense of family of blood relatives. As I understand it and have experienced it, it incorporates a whole lot more. More than just my blood relatives, more than the, the married members who've married into my blood relative family. It acknowledges those who have become part of my life's journey. So when I think of Fano, I think of this first couple that we're going to have on screen. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, their names are George and Wynne Eho. Now, George, George passed away a few years ago, uh, but they're a couple who, we got to know their family when we first moved to Christchurch. We didn't have any blood relatives, at least we didn't realise it at the time. We've, I found one in Rangiora last year. Um, but for the previous seven or so years, we didn't know of anyone. But they became part of our whānau. They called our kids moko, short for mokopuna, which means grandchildren. In the next slide, um, you'll see down the bottom, so Ricky in the bottom photo, he's the one taking the photo, obviously he wasn't in it. His parents are George and Wynne. 
and you can see there's one Ben in the whanau there, and he looks like he fits in. Hey, Jamie. <laughs> on, the, on, on his right side is Jamie, um, his best mate. They've grown up together, done a lot of stuff together. And it's that sense of whanau. They, they call them Auntie Cindy and Uncle Ricky. They're like cousins, all the kids, when they play together. Uh, Ricky's sister, Tanya, um, they have a whole family, and they, they're regarded as cousins. Not in a blood sense, but, you know, coming to a new place and you're wanting to fit in and find your place, it makes a massive difference when you have a sense of whānau in that place. And for us, because we had no blood relatives that we knew of, these people became part of our whānau. There's another guy as well on the next slide. His name's Neil. Um, some of you may remember him coming to some of the early services when we were here. He passed away about four years ago. Um, but when we first moved to, uh, to Christchurch, we were attending St. Stephen's Anglican Church. And he's an elderly man, never married, never had any kids, never held a baby before. And there was one um, Sunday where something was going on. I think Jaden and Zoe took off. I was doing something from the front, so I was not available to just take off after them. So Heather's holding Ethan, little babies, like, oh no. <laughs> Gave him to Neil and ran after the other two. And Neil was like, wow, I've never had a, held a baby before. And that was Ethan. And for years after that, he was, he was that grandfatherly figure to our kids. He would, he would take Ethan as a preschooler. He, he knew the bus routes around Christchurch like the back of his hand. And he'd take him to all these places and he'd find bargains and shops and guess what we found today? And every week there was a new DVD of the latest animation movie that had come out. And Ethan would accompany him all around the place. Whānau. Not, not blood related, but he was whānau to us. Um, I, th I think about that in terms of our church family. And our icons family, we are whānau. We're not, we're not blood relatives, but we are whānau. That's, I, I believe that's what God calls us to do when, when he, we become part of his family, is to treat each other like whānau. Are there issues in whānaus? Of course. There's times where we don't agree or see eye to eye. But whānau is a really, really important concept there. Going to have, um, I've invited some of our um, children and families to come and share what Fano means to them. I'm going to start, I've got a couple of videos. Um, any of you kids or parents who are going to come up and just share that, if you just come to the edge of the stage there, um, and then after the two videos. So the first two, um, these are a couple of kids who felt they would rather do it on video than from the front. So roll, whatever you call it.
<laughs> I love it. So I believe we do have a couple of kids coming to talk about what whānau means to them. Aaron, are you one of them? You're going to bring mum up and help mum. Layla? Or shall I bring the microphone to you? If you feel a bit more comfortable down there. Do you want to read it? Do you want grandma or granddad to read it? Grandma. Okay, there you go. This is something Layla's written. Cool. Layla's written that her whānau is big and great. My dad is so great, I wish he never goes to heaven. My auntie mum is the greatest in the world. Gran is the best because she takes me to church. <laughs> 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 because... Oh, Graham is the best too, because he is so funny. And Blair <laughs> is the best, because he is also funny. I have lots of cool cousins. This is my far now. Wow, that's good, lady. Well done. Well, no, it's important to... Me, my mom is important to me. She gives me birth to me. She looks after me every day. She supports my learning and plays with me. My dad is important to me. He gives me music lessons and mm, running lessons and plays with me. Oh, very good. Awesome. So I want to say something about Jesus' example with his disciples. Jesus had a family. We know, we know about Mary and Joseph, right? Um, but he also had other siblings. And Mark 6 verses, verse 3 says, Isn't the, he the carpenter? Now this, these are people talking about Jesus coming into Nazareth and going, Hang on, this, is this the same guy that grew up here? This, we don't believe this. <laughs> so that's the context. Isn't he the carpenter, the son of Mary? Aren't James, Joseph, Judas and Simon his brothers? Don't his sisters still live here in our town? So he had brothers and sisters. So we can take from that verse that he did have siblings. He was also, remember, related to John the Baptist because Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. So there's blood relatives there in Jesus' immediate family. But he also had a whānau that was much wider than that. The disciples, they were his followers. They walked and talked and lived and breathed and wept and celebrated with Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, remember that time in John 19, Jesus' mother stood beside his cross with her sister and Mary, the wife of Clopas. Mary Magdalene was standing there too. When Jesus saw his mother and his favorite disciple with her, he said to his mother, this man is now your son. And then he said to the disciple, she is now your mother. From then on, the disciple took her into his home. So he's, if you remember how I talked before about how my kids were being refer referred to as moko when they weren't blood relatives. Jesus has done the exact same thing here. He's in a, he's in a position where he's, he's saying, right, you need to look after each other. doesn't matter, you're not blood related, but you are whānau, you're a family. So why don't you say to turn to someone next to you and say, and it might be in the case of Mike here, Mike, you are my brother. <laughs> All right, 
somebody, somebody next to you, perhaps unrelated, you are my brother or you are my sister. If they're a bit older than you, maybe try auntie, not grandma. Okay, so a few weeks ago, Seb spoke on the topic of discipleship and beautifully brought out a couple of thoughts around being family to the people around us. He spoke about the inviting in of people into our lives and also being intentional in doing life with others. That's not something that just happens. It requires an intentionality. I'm going to invite in. I'm going to invite people into doing life with, with what I'm doing and, and look for opportunities. Yeah. Building whānau is like discipleship. Jesus had followers called disciples who did life with him for three years. And after three years of training with him and following him, Jesus then says to John, okay, look after Mary as a member of your family. Whānau comes about as we do life together. It takes people choosing to live for the good of each other. It's not a one-off course. As good as courses are, they're important for certain stages in your lifelong journey as a disciple. But discipleship also comes when you do all of that stuff together, when you have that sense of whānau for each other. Right, I need six people to come and stand with me on the stage here. Children, preferably, but if we don't have enough kids, I saw you putting your hoodie over your head, Lucy. (laughs) I have six things in my bag that I need help with. So if kids are not quick to run up, then maybe there's some you or some adults. Don't leave me hanging, please. Good on you, Layla. Yeah, Aaron, well done. Excellent. Four more. Cassidy. Are you going to bring your sister with you? Awesome. I like this. What's this called? It's called a hat. It's called a hat. (laughs) Should have (laughs) known. Right, one, two, three, four, five, six. Excellent. Right, I want each of you to turn around and face this way so they can't see what you're about to put on your face. All right? I'm going to put that one on. Right, are we all are we all dressed? Excellent. Okay, do you want to turn around and show people what you're wearing? <laughs> so I want to know. I want to know from you what can you see when you look out there through those lenses? What can you see? What colour do you see? Green. Green. Okay, so you can. I don't need that. You can see green. What do you see? Brown? Mm-hmm. Brown. I can see brown. I can see brown on your face as well. Nothing. You can't see anything. It just looks normal. Can't see anything. Can't see anything? Double vision. <laughs> Blue. Kind of bluish? Eyeballs. You can see eyeballs. 
So when they look at you, they're seeing something through the lenses that they're wearing, aren't they? We also see something back. And sometimes we make judgments about what people look like. I mean, if somebody was wearing this, <laughs> for those, this, this is the poo emoji. <laughs> if you saw someone wearing that in the supermarket, would you just go up to them and say, hey, how are you going? Mm, might be a bit of a, a judgment there. Okay, can we have all of those back in the bag? Tegan, do you want to just go along and put those in? Cheers. Thanks, guys. Give them a hand. You know, the, the lenses that we wear, and I'm not talking about glasses, I'm talking about the, the way we look at the world and make decisions about people, is often affected by the stuff that's happened when we grow up. I don't need two mics, do I? <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> I forget I've got one on. It's often coloured by the stuff that's happened in our, our past, the way we've been brought up, the people we've met. It does colour the way you look at the world. But you know what? We, we can look at people like that and make similar judgments. It's very easy to, to look at someone and go, oh, no, I wouldn't want to spend time with them because they're that crowd. But actually, you know what? We've fallen into the same trap. We're doing the same thing. That doesn't build whānau. So I want to I I put a question up for you. What kind of lens... Back one... What kind of lenses do we use to make decisions about people we meet? Have a chat. This is something we kind of do in um, Families Cafe Church. Got some questions about things. We get around and go, what do you think about this? Have a wrestle over it. What do you think? What, are the, what kind of lenses do we use to make decisions about people we meet? Okay, can we, can we fire some of them back? What kind of lenses do we use? What people are wearing. Oh, thanks, thanks for noticing. <laughs> what else? Sorry? Name calling? Maybe person's name. Could be something that makes us go, Ugh. Do you know, I, I remember as a high school teacher, there were certain kids who I thought, when I have kids, I'm never going to call them that name. <laughs> but that's, yeah. Any others? Are they like us? Do, what do they look like? Yeah. We judge people on appearance, don't we? We can. Yep. Socioeconomic standing. How, how wealthy or poor somebody is. Their culture. You know, you, you meet somebody of a different colour or different sounding accent or and immediately you can form these these kind of ideas standard of dress I think you, you mentioned that personal appearance age there's lots of ways that we interpret the world around us and it's it's not it's not something that we try and deliberately do necessarily it's something that kind of happens but if we're going to build a sense of whānau, we have to kind of remind ourselves okay how am I how am I dealing with this situation? How am I loving this person as Jesus might as opposed to how I'm doing it right now? All right, next question. What does the Bible tell us about how Jesus feels about people? And 
and as you're doing that, think about some of the groups that he did connect with that were kind of surprising. Here we go. So how does Jesus feel about people? He loves them. Cool. That's pretty clear in the Bible, isn't it? When you, when you look at um, the likes of um, the Samaritan woman, that's, that's a story that's got so many different boundaries that Jesus supposedly crosses. First of all, a man talking to a woman in that culture at that time is a no-no. The fact that he was Jewish and she was Samaritan. Now, Samaritans, they were a mix of Jew and non-Jew people who'd married. Different culture. And just, just talking to her was just a, a major boundary crossing. So Jesus, the way he showed it, compassion and empathy for people. He, th- he looked at the sick. And he talked to them the despised people of society. That, that Samaritan woman had a reputation that he shouldn't really be engaging with. Even talking to women in other cultures, as, as we already talked about. But he also had anger for people too, didn't he? When you think about this, the kind of people he had anger towards, it was often the religious leaders. It was the people who were using their position to stop people from creating that sense of whānau when actually that, that could actually be a really beautiful thing. Run out of time. <laughs> Some, somebody's got me on a timer. <laughs> I better hurry up then. <laughs> so, so now I want you to think, and, and not, not in a discussion way, but I want you to think about this next question. Um, what does Jesus see when he looks at you? We, we talked about having lenses on. What kind of lenses might Jesus have on when he looks at you? And I, I, want, I want to refer to Galatians chapter 4. But when the time is right, God sent his son and a woman gave birth to him. His son obeyed the law so he could set us free from the law and we could become God's children. Now that we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and his spirit tells us that God is our father. You are no longer slaves. You are God's children and you'll be given what he has promised. Are we blood relatives of him? No, but we're part of his family. We're part of his whanau. He welcomes us. And the thing about being a child of God is that you have access to all of the resources of heaven. You have the ability to inherit everything that he brings with him. And so being part of that family, Fano, man, I want to be part of that one. So when Jesus is looking at you, he's looking at you with a lens of love. He stands there, arms open wide. And he says, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're dark-skinned or pale, male or female, Māori, European, South African, well-dressed or casual, young or old. He stands, arms open wide and waiting. 
And you see, the thing is with Jesus is he's a gentleman. He's not going to push you into doing something you're not going to want to do. He's not going to force himself into our lives. And that's where the power's in our hands. He waits. And he waits. And we can choose to accept his love or not. But he still stands waiting, even if you say no. Offering you the opportunity to be part of his whānau. He desperately wants to be part of yours. So I'd like you to think, how much does Jesus love me? That's his lens, his lens of love. When he looks at you, he's like, I love you so much. I want you to be part of my family, my whānau. You think about Jesus' disciples. He went around and he said, James and John, follow me. Matthew, follow me. Nathaniel, Bartholomew, follow me. Thomas, Nathaniel, yeah, I saw you prick up. Were you not listening before? You just heard your name. <laughs> follow me. <laughs> hey, I'd be really super proud if you followed me. He, he had a pun for me the other day. I was so proud. <laughs> These disciples, Jesus called them to follow him. At what point did they say, you are the Messiah, you're the Christ? Straight away? No. Three years later, some, some even after Jesus had been nailed to the cross, he truly was the Christ. Um, Peter at one point, you are the Messiah. So his confession of faith didn't happen at the beginning. He was still a follower until he came to a point of faith. And if you're here today and you, you haven't made a personal confession to say, yeah, Jesus, I want to follow you, the fact that you're here shows that there's something about Jesus that's attractive. The disciples were attracted to Jesus. Why else would you stop doing a job right in the middle of when you're doing it and go and follow someone you've never met before? Something, there's something powerful and attractive about Jesus. And when he says, follow me, it captures your interest. You're like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder, I wonder where this will go. And at some point in that journey of following Jesus and, and having interest in him, you go, do you know what? He is who he says he is. And there may be some of you here today like that. You've been interested in who this Jesus person is. You've been following him in the sense of interest that being interested. But maybe, maybe today there's a time where it's time to say, you know what? You are the Christ. You are God. And I want to commit to following you the rest of my life. So Seb's going to come up in a tick. And when we get into the final song, when the band comes up eventually and plays that song, if God's moving you to do something about this, anything today, if it's to say, Jesus, I do want to follow you, then, then come on down and there's, there's people who'd love to pray with you. May, maybe in the whole thing of thinking about whānau, do you know, division and disunity are things that can really disrupt a sense of whānau. If there's people here that you have some kind of an issue with or something's been done or said and hasn't been healed, here's an opportunity to, to make the sense of whānau right. So I'm just going to pray as, as a, a hand over to Seb. God, I thank you that you took us into your family. 
I thank you that we are part of your whānau. I thank you that you accept us, you love us, and that whatever lenses we might be wearing, you're not fooled by them. You see right through and you see what's going on in our hearts and you know that we need to know you and love you. But we thank you that you don't force yourself on us. And I just pray, Lord, that as we go about our days, as we think about these things, as we, we are ministered to in song, God, that you would do something deep in our hearts that we might have that sense of whānau that maybe we've never experienced before. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. If you'd like to stand as we're coming into our final time of worship, um, just thought we could do something in, in partly um, extending that response um, to what we've, we've seen and, and heard today. Um, from the amazing time of worship in the beginning to the baptism to what people have shared on the video and, and up here on the stage um, and down in the seats. Um, we've been doing something at youth group, uh, which we'd love to, um, hmm, I suppose, just spread and integrate in, into this moment now where we've been using our <laughs> lovely cards um, to think of one person we want to pray for and we've written down prophetic words encouragements pictures um, our heart's desire for that person um, that the prayers for them that we want to see them know jesus more or know him for the first time and we've just hung them up on a bit of string in the redwood lounge above the mirrors and it's just something we're we're going for and we're praying for these people and we're, we're trying to get into rhythms of prayer for them and i just thought in response um to what donna shared and yeah what, what's happened this whole morning we could just have a time of praying uh, for ourselves as we, we think about the lenses and, and where we're at. Um, but then just pick one person, one person, maybe from your, your literal whānau or, or church whānau here or someone who um, doesn't come or isn't part of this, this church whānau at the moment. Just pick one person and, and pray for them because we realize we're raising up quite a lot and stirring up quite a lot when we're talking about whānau. Uh, it can be a real trigger point in many ways, positive and not so positive um, at the moment. So what we're going to do is uh, something which I got introduced to as Korean style of praying. Uh, I don't know if Koreans have a patent on this style of prayer, but this is what it was introduced to me as. Where we're all just going to speak out our prayers at the same time. And there's going to be a oneness in that. We're all coming to agreement that, yes, we're, we're praying for ourselves and we're praying for the one. And there's some, if, well, there is some leftover card. If you want to join in with that idea, please feel free to take some card. I will even make up more card for you next week if it runs out. Um, and maybe you want to think of one person and just write down words, prophetic um, stuff you're getting for them, your, your heart's desires for them uh, as, as they journey in this life. Cool. So on the count of three, we're going to just pray. We're going to pray for ourselves. And we're gonna...